Take your Bible while you're standing there and be turning to the little book of Habakkuk. Someone asked me today who wasn't going to be able to be here tonight what I was preaching on tonight so they could read it. And I said, the book of Habakkuk. And they said, where is that? I said, just after Nahum. So that cleared it up for them. (laughs) Habakkuk. Good to see you tonight. It's a good song, isn't it? Take all my pride, my selfish will. That's a prayer that I think God would be pleased with. Habakkuk chapter 3. Let's just read two verses and we'll look at a couple of other things. But it says in verse 1 a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet upon Shigionoth, or Shigionoth. Which one is it? Alex, you know, tell me. O Lord, I have heard, here's the prayer, Lord, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known. In wrath, remember mercy. You know, I like the prayers of the Bible and um, especially the prayers of, of the preachers, the prophets, this is one of them. You know, when we think about, when I think about a prophet, I think more in terms of what they say to people. That's what a prophet does. A prophet gets the message from God, hears directly from the Lord, a true prophet, and then declares that to people. But um, these, this is not just, this is not his words to people, it's his words to God that God has reserved for us in our Bible. And so I want us to I want to look at this prayer and I want to spend some time tonight uh, thinking about at the end praying for a couple of special things, but especially our youth conference and praying for revival in general. Um, So let's just pray as we begin. Father, please bless tonight as we've already prayed. Ask that you help us to be attentive to your word. May the Spirit of God be our teacher. And Lord, we know that there's a difference in learning information, intellectual understanding and being able to receive with meekness the engrafted word and we want tonight to to let your word like the good seed that it is be planted in our hearts that are receptive and fertile we pray for that to happen and may it impact and affect our lives and if it'll affect us it'll help others and we thank you for these things in Jesus name amen you may be seated It says it's a prayer in verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk, but it's also a song. And we're familiar with uh, the Psalms and how those were sometimes prayers of David. But this is actually a song. You find a word that's really, you find most in the Psalms, the word selah, which which is a word that means to pause and reflect. And we see that a couple of times here in Habakkuk 3, I'm looking right here at, um, verse 3 where he says uh, God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran Selah. So this is a song and it says in verse 1 it's upon Shigianoth which that word actually means is a, a kind of a song. It's a kind of a song for a stringed instrument and that's 
that's found again at the last part of the, this, of the book, the last words in chapter 3, if you look in verse 19, the last few words it says, to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. So this was a, a, song, a prayer, a prayer that was also a song. It was a song for the chief singer, the choir director, upon uh, his mountain dulcimer, upon his... Uh, stringed instrument, whatever that stringed instrument was. So in this, we're just going to look at tonight this matter of prayer versus primarily in verse 2. But I think we ought to just begin by recognizing the burden that Habakkuk had. And these prophets were not just, not just men that, that declared information. They were men who, who could see what God was Doing and 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 we're very uh, connected with that. As a matter of fact, I think it was uh, Samuel that said that the, in old time prophets were called seers, S E E R S, and the reason they were called seers is because they could see things. God would show them things. We see this in Habakkuk chapter one, just to sort of introduce Habakkuk as a prophet. Look in Habakkuk one. It says the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Now just to get a little bit ahead of myself, Habakkuk lived in the days just before the Babylonians conquered Judah. And he was well aware of the prophecies of the other prophets, Jeremiah and others, about what was about to take place. It would not be pretty. He knew that. And, and so he's seeing what's coming. He sees this, not a physical cloud, but a spiritual cloud, and he knows that trouble is coming. And so it's his burden in verse 1. And verse 2 says, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? He's talking to God. Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Verse 3, I think, is just an amazing verse. Here's a question to God. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. There's no judgment being seen in the land. For the wicked doth compass about, surround Compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. And so he was very burdened for what, he, what God had shown him. And he knew that God was going to raise up this opposing nation. Matter of fact, look in um, chapter 1 there in verse 6. This is God speaking. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans, the Babylonians, were just horrific uh, savage people. For, I, for lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not there. There. So he, he knew this was coming. And by the way, this, this kind of dates his writing because this he wrote before the Babylonian occupation of Judah and 
Um, if you look in chapter 3 where we began in verse 16, another reference to that. He says, when I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up into the people, he will invade them with his troops. I mean, nobody really, I mean, I shouldn't say nobody. A lot of people didn't believe this. They didn't think it was coming. In Jeremiah's day, there was a whole host of false prophets that said, this will never happen, it's never going to happen. But it was about to happen. The northern kingdom, you know, if you know, the, the Israel, the northern kingdom has already fallen to the Assyrians. And now the Babylonians have conquered, the Babylonians and Medes conquered the Assyrians. So the Babylonians are the empire of the day. And so the northern, Israel's already gone. This is Judah, the southern kingdom, where Habakkuk is in Jerusalem. But the point I want to make is that his eyes were, were really wide open about what God was about to do. We don't know the exact timeline, but the invasion from the north is imminent. Now let's go to our text, having kind of set the stage in verse th 2. This is his prayer in Habakkuk 3. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work. In the midst of the years, in the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. So I want to look at this prayer tonight that he prayed, thinking about the timing of the prayer. I mean, think about what is imminent. Thinking about the danger that lurks to the north, the Babylonians. He even called them out. He knew the name. God told him it would be the Chaldeans. And so what can we learn from this prayer about about uh, Habakkuk's prayer. And the first one is this. He took what God showed him seriously. When we read these verses, now go back to chapter 1, he, he took that seriously. Now, this is really worth considering just briefly. Habakkuk did not see things the way other people saw them. I mean, a lot of these people were at ease in Zion. They weren't really concerned about it or troubled about it. But Habakkuk was very alarmed. And that's why he said, why do you show me? Why, God, why are you showing me what a dangerous time we're living in? Because he saw them as being on the edge of disaster. And I just want to say this. Sometimes we can feel, I feel like we are in a similar situation because we see things around us that sadden us. We see things around us that are alarming. We see things around us that, that, are, that are foretelling of great trouble in our nation, in our world, and yet others just look at it and they don't seem to notice it. They don't seem to care. And they probably think that we're just saying a whole lot about nothing. Don't you understand? You know, we have our freedom. Don't you understand? you know, that, that, that things have always been this way. But I want to tell you, Habakkuk was not wrong in what he saw. He was spot on. He knew what was about to happen. He knew what was coming. And, and so I just, to me, I find encouragement of this, that we as God's people, you know, we ought to want to know how things really are. Not what the media says they are. Not what our friends say they are. We want to know things as they really are, even if it may not be in step necessarily with everybody else thinks. And when, and when Habakkuk saw this, it burdened him. 
He was troubled by it. He, he carried it in his heart. And, and I think that, I say all that to say, I think that plays into his prayer. Because when people don't, they don't, if they're not desperate, they often aren't inclined to pray. You know, if everything's okay, if, it's all, if everything's fine, then there's really no real urgency to pray. But you know what? When something happens, and it could be medical, it could be financial, it could be legal, it could be anything. It could be uh, family-related. When something really serious happens, then all of a sudden, it, we find it easier to pray. Wouldn't you agree? And why is that? Because, we, because we're, now we're, we're shaken to this new reality. And the important thing is that we, we need to see that this, people around us are in trouble today. Not just when we feel burdened. We shouldn't just feel burdened when we are having problems. We ought to feel burdened because the whole world is having problems. I think about this um, meeting we're hosting this weekend. These teenagers that will be coming. Our teenagers will be there and many other teenagers will be there. And I'll tell you, it's really important. This is an opportunity for God to do something special in young people's lives. And... I'm not suggesting that all of us be there, but I'm suggesting this. What, we ought to all get serious about praying for God to do something in these young people's lives. Some of them are lost. Many of them are probably lost. And some of them, you know, they don't have a clue about how they're going to spend their life. We, we ought to be serious about this. We ought to take these matters in a serious way. So the first thing about Habakkuk's prayer is he took what God showed him seriously. And the second thing, having... Having embraced that, having known that, having understood that, then he began to seek God for revival. And that's what he asked for in verse 4, revive thy, or verse 2, excuse me, revive thy work in the midst of the years. Now, it's interesting that he didn't pray for God to deliver Judah. He didn't say, God, please stop the Babylonians from coming. It's not even in there. He prayed for revival. He prayed for God to work. And, you know, God... God, I believe, can work regardless, really, of what's happening in our government, regardless of what's happening in our world, regardless of what's happening in the, the mask discussion or the vaccine discussion. You know, God, God can work at any time. And so he's, he's not asking God to, to deliver them. He's asking God to do something spiritual, to do a reviving work. That's what he said in verse 2, and that's what we're really focusing on now. He says, revive, he says to the Lord, O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. Now, the word revive is, as you know, means to, to give new life. It's, God is the giver of life. And the only place life comes from, really, is it comes from God. He, gives, he, breathed, he breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God is the giver of life, natural life, physical life. And he's also the giver of spiritual life. Only God can give spiritual life. And that's what happens when a person gets saved. They're quickened. They're born again. They, they become new creatures. God does that. Young person, you can't do that. Mom and dad can't do that. Man can't do that. I can't do that. Only God can do that. And by the way, what God does lasts forever. When God does it, it's an eternal thing. God is going to... So life comes from God. And to, to revive is to be brought back to life. To live again. And that's, 
You know, that's no problem with Jesus. He raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, that's no problem for him to bring back to life. And what Habakkuk knew was it would take a work of God to impact his, uh, Judah. It would take a work of God. He couldn't do it. Preaching couldn't do it. You know, he was a faithful prophet, but he couldn't do it. One of the, and there was a, really, there was a, a, a glimpse of what we would call revival during his life. I believe that he, he prophesied at, part, at least part uh, during the, the reign of Josiah. And King Josiah did a, a lot of cleansing work in the nation of in Judah. But it was, he says, revive thy work. And so it was God's work that needed reviving. Now, would we call Judah as a nation the work of God? And in reality, yes, we would. Because it was God's chosen people. These were, this was a nation that God had originated with Abraham, the descendants of Abraham, and they would be his chosen people. And so he, he said, God, I, want you, I ask you to do a, a reviving work in your people. And I'm reminded tonight that we're God's people. We're God's work. You know, um, we're a work in progress individually. We're the result of what God started in us. God, God himself gave, gave us life. When we were saved, he, he put life within us. He came to dwell within us. We belong to him. He, and so we're a work of God. You may not look at yourself that way, but if you're saved, you are a work of of God and what he's begun in you he will complete he will continue and complete in the day of the Lord collectively as a church we're part of God's work every true church is is the body of Christ and we and so what we want is is for God to work we want God to work in our lives we want God to work in our families we want God to work in our loved ones revival is a divine work it's something God does and a preacher cannot, you know, you can have a guest come in. We're going to have a revival meeting in the end of, an end of uh, August. But no preacher can bring revival. Revival comes from God. And we can, you know, we can hear a song that may move us emotionally. And there's nothing wrong with that. We can hear a sermon that may stir us up. But stirring up is not the same as being revived. God has to revive people. That means he, put, he does something in their heart. Um, you know, it's, it's quite natural, I believe. When we think of, you know, making spiritual changes, making spiritual improvements, we think of doing things differently. And there's nothing wrong with that. I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. You know, I need to be more yielded to God. I need to spend more time in God's word. I need to be forgiving. I need to get the sin out of my life. I need to be a better witness. I need to be a more uh, faithful parent or spouse. And all these, things are, all these things matter, but those things themselves cannot bring revival. It takes God to do that. You know, no one, and I, I can only speak for myself, but I think this will be true of a lot of people in this room, you know, when we got saved, we didn't just change because we started doing a lot of things differently. Like we started going to church. That was, that was different. Started reading my Bible. That was different. Started treating my wife with respect. That was different. But you know what? I, all those things didn't change me. All those things changed because he changed me. 
That's revival. When God does something in a person's life. I'm not saying it's not right to say, well, I'm going to read my Bible more or I'm going to pray more. Those things are good and we need to do, we need to do everything we can. But true life comes from Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, when he does a work in your heart, you will be different. And that's what he's praying for. That's what Habakkuk's praying for in verse 2. Revive thy work in the midst of the years. Genuine revival is a work of God. It takes God to change a heart. And that would be my heart or your heart or any of us. And that, again, I say regeneration. That's what that word means. Regeneration means to be made new. It's a Bible term. And it means to be made new. It's, it's God's work. And revival is the work of God. And really, if, if, if Judah had any hope, it was in God doing something. And I feel the same way about our country. If there's any hope for the good old USA, it's going to be because God does something. And by the way, God can do things. And, and, and really this thing, what this encourages me about in Habakkuk was, even at a time when he knew that judgment was coming, even at a time when we don't know exactly the timeline, but but the Babylonians are going to come upon them, he's still praying for revival. He's asking God to do a work of revival. It takes God to revive. It takes God to convict of sin. It takes God to, to restore people to their first love. That's a problem that was a Bible issue in a church in, in uh, Ephesus, that they had lost their first love. It takes revival to it takes God really to restore zeal in a person's life. And uh, that was the Laodiceans problem, a, a literal church. Because, and you know what they need? They needed revival. And so I think this is a relevant thing to pray about, is to pray specifically for God to revive, to do a reviving work in families, in individuals, in teenagers. We ought to pray for that. I, I think we, it'd be a good thing, not just tonight, but just in general, to pray for that, to pray for those we care about, to pray for families that are struggling, to pray for people that are, that, are, that are away from the Lord or they're not serious about their spiritual condition. Only God can do that. There are things we can do, and I, I really think without God, we, we can't do anything, but there, there may be things that we can do for God but I'll tell you, we need, we need what God does in us. And you can't make that happen. I can't make that happen. But number one, we ought to recognize that it could happen, and it should happen, and it can happen. And we ought to pray for that to happen. God, I want you to change me. Make that a personal prayer. God, I want you to work in my life. I want, you to, I want you to do something inside of me. And if we're satisfied, if we're satisfied with where we are, then, then we're not, like I said earlier, we're not going to be really inclined to ask God to do that. But our, our, place is, our place is to seek God. Our place is to, you know, in Hosea, when Hosea the prophet prayed, he, he called the people to seek God until he turned and, and, and bring righteousness upon you, till he reign is the word he used, reign righteousness upon you. And so our place is to turn to God in repentance and brokenness and ask God to work. And I, 
I think sometimes that we can become very accustomed, and maybe, maybe this is not as big a factor as I think it is, but in just going through the motions and doing things as though that's okay. And doing the right things is good. But, but if God's not working in us, that's what Paul said to the Philippians, it's God that worketh in you to will and do for his own good pleasure. And one of the things uh, Habakkuk said in his prayer was, he says, Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years, right? In this time, while this is happening, in the midst of the years, make known. He wanted, he wanted God to make himself known. That'd be a good thing, wouldn't it? If God would work in such a way that it would be evident that God is doing something. And, it, and so that's what he prayed for. And, uh, I mean, sin is being made known. Just look. It's everywhere. You don't have to look for it. It's everywhere. Sin is being made known. But he prayed that God would make himself, in the midst of the years, make known. And so that was his prayer. And then the last thing I want to notice in his prayer, verse 2, is he says, In wrath, remember mercy. He asked God to show mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. Now, again, Habakkuk was well informed. He knew what was about to take place. He knew God was going to come down upon Judah. Israel had already fallen. Their capital city, Samaria. Israel had fallen to the Assyrians. And that's just their northern, the neighboring country to the north. And he knew what was coming. He knew who it was. He didn't, you know, he, God told him it's going to be the, the Babylonians, the Chaldeans. And uh, so he knew they deserved judgment. And we, if you were to read this chapters, uh, the first and second chapter, you know, it's just filled with all the evidence of their, their sin, their rebellion, their idolatry, their stubbornness, their pride. So they deserve God's judgment. And I want to tell you, America deserves God's judgment. You don't, you don't just blaspheme God as a, as a nation that was founded on the principles of God's word. You don't blaspheme God and murder children in their mother's womb by the millions and think that God is just okay with that. God is not okay with that. God is not okay with what we're seeing. All this, all this cultural change that just now, it's like a, that snowball that's coming down the hill. It's just getting faster and bigger all the time. God is not pleased with that. And, if you, and, the, the, and the reality is we, we as God's people we may not approve of it, but quite often, if we if would be honest, we're not really that troubled by it. You know, as long as we're, you know, feeding our family and able to take a vacation and, you know what I'm saying, we're just not that troubled by it sometimes. But, but I think we ought to be troubled by it. Seeing young people that are raised in church turn away and go into the world, we ought to be troubled about that stuff. If we're not troubled about it, who is going to be troubled about it? I don't mean judging people. I'm just saying concerned and burdened about it. And Habakkuk understood that, that this was, this, God was 
justified in this judgment that's about to come. And I, I think it would it helps us, even through thinking about things like this tonight, it helps us to try to see sin the way God sees it. And I know some people could twist that and say, well, you're just judging everybody. No, I'm just, you know, we're just seeing things that are evident. They're obvious. And that's the way it was with Habakkuk. He saw things. He knew, that, he knew the world that he was living in, and it was supposed to be God's people, Judah, that they were not living the way God wanted them. And when we see that, what we see is that really we deserve wrath. We deserve God's wrath. If we got what we deserved, we would be in God's wrath. I'm talking about we individually, but as a nation, as a, as a culture, as our community. But in spite of that, Habakkuk asked for mercy. You know why? Because he knows God is merciful. Aren't you glad God is merciful tonight? And we need his mercy. I, if it wasn't for his mercy, we would have no hope. I don't, have, I don't for a minute expect God to bless America because we deserve it. I can't say God bless America as though we deserve it. We need his blessing. But what we deserve is judgment. That's what we deserve. Because God is holy. And to whom much is given, much, the Bible said, Jesus said, much will be required. And I believe that. But I'm, I'm, my, our, our only hope is the mercy of God. And we ought to pray for that. And pray for God to work. We have every reason. If, if this, one of the encouragements I get from this text is, if Habakkuk, a true prophet, if he felt like in the midnight hour, at the, at the end, virtually the end of their freedom as a nation, if he felt like revival was still a, a biblical prayer to pray, and he did, then I take great hope in that. That we can pray for revival. We have every reason to ask God to work. We need for him to work. We need for him to work even when we're doing his work. If it's going to the nursing home, if it's going door to door, if it's witnessing to our loved ones, we, we, we do our work. We do what God's given us to do. And this is God's work. Evangelism is God's work. Missions is the work of God. But we need for God to work. And that's what the prayer is. And, you know, I, I don't know how everybody else feels about this. But I would like to think that when we read this passage and we think about what it means and what it says, that every one of us would realize, you know, I need for God to work in my life. I need revival in my life. We need a revival in our home. And, that, and, and I believe God wants to do that. I believe God wants to do that. And I'm, like I said, I really want us to focus individually tonight, praying for this conference on, on Saturday, because I, want, I just pr want to pray that God would do a great work in people's lives. I'm not saying all of them, but at least some of them. Every parent, every parent that's who's saved should want their children to love the Lord and be on fire for the Lord and serving the Lord. Not just being at church. And, I mean, I'm, I'm glad young people come to church, but we want more than that for them. 
We want them to have a heart for God. And that ought to, that I think as parents, that ought to be one of our primary burdens for God to do that. And for our marriages and for our church and for the ministries of our church. So as I've been thinking about prayer this week and praying for this meeting, and I thought, you know, I'm going to just, I was just felt like the Lord led me to this passage in Habakkuk. I want to read it again and we're going to pray. Oh Lord, I've heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. And so tonight, I want us to spend some time in prayer. You can pray by yourself. You can pray with someone near you. But I want us to really pray for this weekend and for the um, conference in particular Young people, teenagers, I would encourage you to pray for God to work in your life this weekend. Uh, I want young people to have a good time. I'm sure they'll have fun. I'm sure there'll be a lot of enjoyment. But let's pray for God to work in our hearts and lives. And I'm sure you have other things that you're burdened about, things maybe in your family, things maybe with someone that you care about. But let's ask God to revive his work. Let's bow our heads together. And I just want to, I just want to say this. If you're here tonight and you're, um, not saved and maybe God's been working in your heart, you're troubled about that. I'm, I'm standing right here at the front and you can come talk to me and we'll pray with you and help you. Or maybe you're here as a Christian. You just need somebody to pray with you and talk with you and help you. But otherwise, let's just spend some time either in your seat or on your knees. I see people kneeling at their seat and altar. But let's pray. Let's pray for this meeting this weekend. Pray for God to work. Pray for young people to be saved, to really hear the gospel, understand the gospel. God to put his hand on people.